This is Jason McKenna on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM and today we're once again trying to help St Albans and we've asked you for your questions to put them to our local MP Daisy Cooper and this will hopefully be a regular monthly show with Daisy so if you've missed out this time then you can always email me jason.mckenna at radioverulam.com or you can DM us on any social media pages. Actually first and foremost how are you doing personally, Daisy? Are you, are you and your family keeping well during this uh, lockdown period? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, and thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm actually I'm doing fine. I'll be honest. The, the first couple of weeks when COVID first hit, and um, those were by far the most stressful weeks. Um, I think because obviously there was a lot of uncertainty. We had a lot of people who were very scared um, and people who were you know couldn't get delivery slots and needed food and I was sort of putting in some really long days I think my longest day was getting up at 4 30 getting to my laptop at 5 30 in the morning and working straight through to 10 30 with a half an hour break Goodness so those man. first two weeks were absolutely brutal um, <laughs> because we had a huge amount of work to do um, and um, one of the things I've been really conscious of and is that you know there are a huge number of people in St Albans who have been affected and I think for some people coronavirus has just been a little bit of a blip in their life and for other people it's been an absolute tsunami um, and I think we've seen everything at both extremes in terms of the emails that have been coming in but um, in terms of the way we're dealing with it I'm okay my family is safe a lot of them are um, either sort of um, you know shielding or or staying at home, so I'm I'm, I'm missing missing uh, members of my family, but um, but we're all we're all safe. That's, oh, that, that's good to hear as well. And you mentioned there it's the busiest or one of the busiest times of your career right at the start, but also it is Mental Health Awareness Week. Are, are you coping with the stresses of this situation as well, personally? Yeah, do you know what? I've always been a huge believer in supporting uh, people and their uh, physical and mental well-being. Um, you know, I uh, I and everybody in my team are putting in some really long hours. But what I always insist on is that we all put time into our diaries that actually says this is rest time where you turn off your phone, and you turn off your laptop and you make sure you actually carve that time out. Um, next week is technically what's called a recess week, which means Parliament isn't physically sitting in the chamber and we don't have to dial into the chamber. Um, so I've made sure that everybody can take um, everyone in my team who have been working really hard. They're all going to get either a, a duvet or a sun lounge today um, just to thank them for, for how hard they've been working. I think it's really, really important. Yeah, that is actually quite progressive in, in many ways, as you said. Mental and physical health are so inextricably linked. It's, it's really good that you're actually doing that. Um, do you know of any other MPs or is this maybe something that you're piloting? Um, I mean, it, the life of an MP is very peculiar because as you might imagine... When people need your help, they don't necessarily just need your help during working hours. <laughs> so people often need your help when they need help and when they really need the help right now. Um, and therefore, I've had to call on members of my staff to sort of step up at all hours of the day, uh, particularly when we were helping repatriate people who were stranded abroad and we were working around the clock in different time zones, with different time zone things. Um, I honestly don't know whether other MPs are giving out sort of duvet days or not. What I do know is that a number of them are organising sort of Zoom socials with their teams. Um, there's quite a lot of support in parliament for parliamentary staff so there is a mental health um uh, you know a helpline there's sort of pastoral support um there's been a big survey done i don't know what the results are yet but there's been a big survey done to see um how staff um working for mps are actually coping with the huge influx of of um often quite traumatic um uh, requests for help um, and so there are quite a lot of support systems there um, but i'd love to think that other mps uh, might also give their staff a duvet day because nobody wants to take 
formal leave right now, do they? You know, you can't go anywhere. Um, but nonetheless, it's really important people do take some time out. Well, that is brilliant from your perspective there, Daisy. I have to praise that so, so much. But it, for many, people are trying to manage with their situation. So we'll, we'll bring it on to the questions that people have put to you. And the first one is actually Mary Sibri. And she's reached out to us on our Facebook page. And she'd like to know when dentists will reopen. She's actually said she's waiting for two teeth out, which is a bit of an ouchy one there. Uh, but what advice can you offer to Mary there? Sure. Well, um, uh, I'm grateful for the question. I've had loads of people get in contact with me about this same issue. Um, I'll be honest, it's a real muddle at the moment. So the system that should work is that you call your dentist can't physically open um, because of the, the risks of uh, coronavirus. So you're supposed to be able to call your dentist and then they should be able to direct you towards, um, uh, if it's urgent care, they can put you towards an urgent care centre where you can go and get the um, work done. If your dentist isn't open at all, you can call 111 and you're supposed to be directed towards these urgent hubs. But some of these urgent hubs are being closed down and it's not entirely clear why. So I'm actually speaking to NHS England this afternoon to try and get to the bottom of this. There have been some rumours that there was supposed to be some funding and the funding was held up. And then other, other people saying, well, actually, it's not about the funding because you should be redirected to somewhere else. It's a bit of a muddle. So the short answer is, I honestly don't know when dentists are going to reopen, but I am speaking to NHS England this afternoon. Um, and if Mary or anybody else wants to get the information that I get from this afternoon's call, just drop me an email on dainty.cooper.mp at parliament.uk and I'll let you know the most up-to-date information when I have it. Well, that is great. And I'm sure it'll probably be on your social media feed as well because you're really active on there. So would you suggest Mary to look at that as well? Absolutely, yeah. I, every time I send out um, a, a newsletter, um, I try and post it also on my Facebook page. And when I remember, I stick it on Twitter and Instagram as well. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to remember all of them. There's, there's so many now. Now, That's moving right. on to something that does capture a lot of social media attention. I think it's been asked in almost every kind of press conference as well. But we do do a lot of uh, Verulam sports stuff. And I'm part of the sport team as well. Uh, wear many hats and Nigel from St Albans has emailed in and he said as the Lib Dem spokesperson for digital culture media and sports do you think that sports will be back in June and he also said do you think the events will be free to view? Ah good question so uh, so the first thing to say is the government has set out some various plans as to when things can reopen all of the government's plans are subject to getting the rate of transmission of COVID down and keeping it down. <laughs> so any of the plans that I'm about to sort of outline are subject to keeping that R rate, as everyone's calling it, keeping yeah. that down. So it means that it's subject to change. But what the um, government is suggesting that is, uh, is that at the start of June, some sports could resume. So, for example, horse racing and football are sort of planning to resume in June uh, and start to um, be able to broadcast some of their games and, um, and competitions, etc. Um, from July, uh, cricket may start from July. Uh, the England and Welsh cricket boards have said that it won't start in June, but they might consider starting it in July. Um, obviously, rugby could start in early June. Uh, Formula One is saying that they're planning to resume uh, um, uh, races in late July. Um, boxing perhaps might reopen, but in a very different way, where I think the boxers will have to wear masks and they won't be allowed to use the spit buckets that they normally have. So there are plans for various sports to reopen in June and July, but all of those plans will be subject to keeping that transmission rate down. So it could be subject to change. 
And as and the other thing to say as well is that obviously the sports will be very different because even if the sports can resume, you know, on the pitch or in the ring or wherever it might be, we're not going to see any large mass gatherings of people going to watch these uh, watch these games for some time. So it will be a case of probably sitting on the sofa and watching it watching it at home. And um, will it be free? I honestly don't know. I think some of our um, public broadcasters, uh, so not necessarily the private ones, but some of the public broadcasters have done an amazing job um, over the last few, you know, last couple of months of providing a lot of really good content for people to use at home, whether it's educational, whether it's, you know, historical, or whether it's just pure entertainment. Um, in terms of whether they will charge or not, I, I don't know what that pricing structure is going to be. Um, but uh, if um, if Nigel or anybody else has got questions on that, just drop me an email and I can, I can ask some questions. Okay, that was really good then. And, you know, I think it would be nice if some of it was free to view because I think it'll be a good time filler. I've definitely been missing the sports. Uh, now, somebody else has sure. changed the topic and uh, they're asking about traffic, but they wanted to remain anonymous. And that's the thing about these questions as well. You can message into our DMs or email me. And if you want to remain anonymous, then that is absolutely fine. We'll keep it with the utmost respect. But uh, somebody's asked, will Daisy do anything about the poor state of the road at London Road Cemetery? Any traffic controls to be put in place as of right now when people exit the cemetery? It's a nightmare as the cars speed over 40 miles per hour and can cause a serious risk to cars pulling out. For example, maybe traffic lights or a mini roundabout has been suggested by this person. Sure. Well, I know that stretch of road very well. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've uh, driven up and down there and it, it is a little bit of stretch of road where people do tend to uh, put their foot down and speed up a bit. So I know exactly the problem that, that this person's identified. All I can say is that as the uh, as the MP, this is something that I don't don't get involved with because roads are a highways issue and highways issues belong to the county council. Um, what I can do or what this person can do is email their local county councillor, uh, depending on where it is that they live. The county councillor for the area that is responsible for that patch is uh, councillor Anthony Rowlands. Um, uh, he's a, a Lib Dem county councillor and he might be able to, you know, he might know what's going on there. Um, but wherever this person lives, if they email their local county councillor and ask them for an update, uh, they should be able to get some information about whether or not there's been an assessment of the traffic there, um, and if there has, whether any measures have been identified, and if there have, when those might be installed or not. But I'm afraid that's a county issue, so uh, yeah, above my pay grade. Oh. <laughs> well, at least they can now contact the right person. You've given them the person to get involved with there. Now, moving on to, I think, quite an important issue at the moment. Somebody else has sent in an anonymous question, and it, it's along the lines of mental health, but also physical health as well. And they've said, you've been campaigning for a long time about a domestic abuse bill. But for here and now, what help can constituents get during this lockdown if they're having those sort of problems? Sure. So the first thing to say that's really, really important is that if anybody is suffering from um, uh, domestic abuse, then they can leave their house during the lockdown restrictions to get help, um, and help is available. So we know um, from other countries around the world that when pandemics happen, rates of domestic abuse and domestic violence do increase, um, and um, we know that there's been a huge increase in the number of phone calls uh, and incidences that have been reported to the police as well. Um, and obviously when the lockdown restrictions lift, it might be that more people then feel able to, to flee the home, as it were. But um, if anybody is um, suffering from domestic abuse, uh, domestic violence, if they want to flee their home, they can and help is available. Um, the local trains, so Thameslink, for example, has got 
uh, a sort of a program of help available so that if you uh, if you haven't got any money on you but you need to get on a train to go somewhere to get away from a, a violent uh, partner then you can do that um, and there's a scheme available where you just you know you can just go through and then you um, you sort of uh, you know, you can just get on a train without having to buy the ticket, as it were. Um, if people don't feel able to actually leave the home or they don't want to for whatever reason, um, then there is help available. So there is a, a Hertfordshire domestic abuse uh, hotline. Um, I've promoted that phone number on my social media and people can find it as well. There's also a national domestic abuse hotline as well. Um, and if anybody wants to look that up, uh, they should just be aware that if they want to look it up on their computer, there is a quick um, there's a button which means you can quickly move away from that website if you want to so that nobody else in the house can see that you've just been on that web page. Oh, that is really useful information and as you said there it seems to be an issue at the moment and hopefully trends will turn in the other direction. Yeah, can I just but... add one more thing? Sorry I just remembered actually yeah, there, there is a Hertfordshire domestic abuse hotline and there is a national one as well but also on my social media feed I've set out lots of specific um, domestic abuse hotlines for very specific groups so there are different hotlines available perhaps for uh, men who are victims of domestic abuse there's a special a different hotline for people who are um, LGBTQ uh, there's you know, different hotlines for different groups of people whether it's you know, women and children men whether it's LGBTQ community or, or anybody else um, or whether it's also somebody who might have a disability um, or maybe a vulnerable adult so there's a whole series of different specialized hotlines as well but if anybody just needs a single hotline I'll go for the heart to domestic abuse one. Oh well that that is really fantastic then that they're specialized ones as well now moving on to uh, a slightly lighter issue and Hugh's actually highlighting really good work that you've been trying to do in parliament he said will you bring the tree planting bill back to the table after the corona crisis is over yes i absolutely will so just to explain to all of your other listeners um i was trying to table a private members bill um which is one of the opportunities that every single backbench mp has to try and get something into law so i tabled a private members bill around tree planting uh, to try and get a commitment from the government that it would be planting you know uh, several hundred thousands of hectares of uh, trees across the country. Um, I'm really passionate about this. Um, I'm currently working with a woman who's a lecturer at Leeds University, who she's an expert uh, in trees. Um, and we're currently working on a, a chapter together for a book about what are the different stages that are needed, the different questions we need to answer to get a proper tree planting strategy for the UK. So hopefully by the end of this year, we'll not only have the idea of a, of a private members bill to make sure that we try and get tree planting into law, but we'll also be taking the first steps of developing a roadmap and once we've got that roadmap I'll be trying to work with MPs of different parties to see if we can get lots of cross-party support for that. That is brilliant then so it's as you said a roadmap for Britain there is potential uh, that we could see tree planting all over the country. Now Mel from St Albans has asked why are St Albans parks full of large groups of teenagers not social distancing yet we can't see our loved ones are the police going to do something about this? Okay, so um, I don't know which park Mel is referring to, uh, or, or or when um, he or she. Uh, I don't know whether Mel's uh, male or female. Uh, whether when Mel saw these young people, what I can say is that from the last few weeks, 
Um, I know a number of our local councillors have been walking around parks to make sure that there's not too many large groups of people. Where the police have seen uh, groups, they've taken a really moderate approach, which I think has been the right approach. So you know, in some parts of the country, we've seen the police doing quite extreme things like you know, dyeing water purple in national parks. Around here, I think we've been very lucky. Our, our police have had an approach of engaging groups of people, explaining to them, and then trying to encourage them to disperse. And so the police have been very active at doing that, and they've been doing it both you know, whether it's in St. Peter's Street or whether it's in the park, the police have taken a really good moderate approach and only when they've met with any kind of resistance have they then um, uh, enforced fines on people. So in most cases, um, you know, um, the police have acted to actually encourage people to disperse. If anybody still has some concerns, they can report them to the police online. So Hertfordshire Police have got um, a, a website uh, where you can report these kind of things. You can report the instances and who you've seen and where it was and what time it was. And that helps them to, be, to build up a picture so they know when to go and, uh, to go and talk to these groups. Oh, well, there you go, Mel. You can report it as well. And that's all anonymous as well, isn't it? Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I imagine so. Um, I don't know if police take these kind of reports. Um, it will say on their website how, whether it's confidential or not, but I'm pretty okay. certain that it is. Yeah. But the important thing is to report it online rather than phoning the police, because if you report it online, it goes to the right place. Ah, excellent. Yeah, and I'm sure they've got plenty of calls at the moment with lots of issues. It's pretty crazy. Now, to end, I think this was a really lovely message that we got in, and it's from Michaela. She sent it on Facebook to our direct messages, and she said, Daisy, I love your updates and have found your journey from being elected so fascinating. Will you make it into a book one day? Oh, <laughs> well, first of all, that's a really sweet message. Thank you, Michaela. Um, I mean, I've, I, I do believe it's really important to you know, build people's trust in politics and in their local politicians to actually tell people what you're doing and to try and be as honest as possible about the things that are quite peculiar about the job. I've tried to be really <laughs> open and honest about that. So I'm glad people are enjoying it. Um, uh, to be honest, I have actually had a publisher get in contact and say, would I be willing to, to write something about um, being a new MP? Um, and I just replied and said, ask me again in the autumn. I'm, I'm too busy with casework at the moment. <laughs> so oh. maybe maybe next year, but, but not this year. <laughs> so it's a, a potential exclusive here that it's on the horizon then. We could see a Daisy Cooper book about your time in Parliament. That's That's very exciting. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> not, just, not just yet. We've got other more important things to do, but maybe later down the line. Of course, yeah. There are other things. But I think it would be an uplifting topic for many people. Like you said, Michaela there, uh, she she's found it really interesting. But from today, uh, a huge thank you for your time, Daisy. And I think all the people will say a huge thank you as well. We couldn't get through all the messages. We had so many. Uh, it was a really popular topic, but we look forward to having you back onto the show again, as you, we've kind of agreed it will be a monthly feature. But for now, I wish you really good health and happiness over the next few weeks, and we'll be chatting again soon. Good. Take care.